Welcome to the Highball Podcast, The Wide Shot. I'm your host, Allison Broverman. Each episode, I'll be talking about a different feature film with a rotating cast of guest panelists. For our first episode, I'm joined by Melissa D'Agostino and Matt Campagna, the founders and curators of Highball TV. Highball TV is a streaming platform that brings film festival cinema to you. And now, here's our conversation about the movie Captain Marvel. Matt and Melissa, thanks for joining me. Yay, we're so excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Uh, So for our pilot episode, we are discussing a film about a pilot Mm -hmm. turned superhero, Captain Marvel. Yes, the 21st film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they finally hired a woman. Yeah, that is a lot of movies. (laughs) a lot of movies, yeah. Um, So, I mean, we can offer a a brief synopsis of Captain Marvel. Um, I think everyone in the world probably knows that it is a movie about... A superhero. Mm-hmm. Well, with the ad budget that Marvel has, pretty much yeah. eight billion people should know this. By I feel now. like yeah. if you know about this podcast and are listening to it, but you have not heard about Captain Marvel, <laughs> you curate your media very interesting yes. ways. I would like to hear more about your lifestyle. <laughs> yes. So please get in touch. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's just uh, start off just some first impressions about Captain Marvel. Hmm. I had the best time. It was so much fun. I enjoyed this movie so much. Matt and I were in the same theater watching it. So. And we went to like a fan event. We went to a fan event. So there was a good, really good energy in the theater and lots of applauding at, um, you know, inside jokes and universe jokes and all that stuff. And like, multiple audience members dressed like yeah. Carol Danvers. It was very cool. Which is always so fun and great. Um... I thought it was very fun. I felt very conflicted about this movie because I'm a fan of the Marvel comic book movies, so I have favorites in there and I like, you know, but uh, I have, I feel conflicted. I'm really happy it exists. I had fun. I thought there was some really great stuff in it. And then there was some stuff that fell short for me. And I sort of feel badly about that because I feel like it's such a momentous thing that there's a woman superhero at the front of this movie, and Brie Larson is so wonderful, and and uh, so I feel a little bit uh, disappointed that I feel disappointed in it. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, that's. I mean, you're allowed to feel those feelings. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I, I'm sick of Marvel movies. Yeah, there are too many of them. Yep. They all look the same. Yep. It's just too much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And. I was pleasantly surprised by this one because it was a little bit different, yep. and uh, it was a lady, and I liked that. Yeah, it started off and it looked the same with the same alien fights and the same kind of muddy CGI, purple and green lights. Yes, and it's yes. all like, ugh, and it just, it, it, I just find that very tiresome. Mm-hmm. And then she gets to Earth, yes. and, and she 90s. lands on a blockbuster in the 90s. Yep. And this is where the movie really won my heart, because my main fantasy of the past year, maybe a pretty common one, considering the garbage fire that you know 2019 is, um, is just to wake up in the 90s. I just, <laughs> that's really what I want to do. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so all that, it looked... Great, the, the the blockbuster, the grunge clothing, all the gags with the slow, dinky-looking computers. Yep. It was just so comforting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, and so, and, and a lot of fun, and all the great use of, of music as well. Yes. Yep. 
I agree. Which we can yeah. talk more I've about been later. listening to garbage <laughs> all weekend because I'm only happy when it rains triggered so much nostalgia for that album, that first garbage album. Oh, it yeah. makes me so happy. Yeah. I'd say like I agree. Uh, I felt like until they got to Earth. And then actually for me, it wasn't really until they got to Louisiana and she hooked up with Maria Rambo where I thought, I think what I longed for, and I can't believe I'm going to say this because I was not a fan of Top Gun, but a little bit I just wanted to see them in a Top Gun movie. Like I just, I loved their friendship so much and it felt so grounded and I felt like Brie Larson really got to come alive in all those moments where she was exploring that friendship. And so for me, I felt like the first part of the movie, maybe that's what the most sort of disappointing thing was. It took me a while to feel like I was inside of it. Mm. And I think that part of that is that I felt the mechanisms of the wider MCU at play in the film more than I wanted to. Because I think when they just let it be about her and her relationships whether that was with Nick Fury or with Maria or with Monica, um, I felt like that was the heart of the film and, and it took a little while to get to it for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. that And that was really what I enjoyed the most about this film was her relationships and her, um, her arc I found really great of coming to Earth, having no memory, kind of piecing together who she was and doing that through her friendship. And and Maria Rambo is such a great character. Her daughter Monica was so great. And it's such a, it was such a beautiful moment with them together. And really this this heartbreaking, confusing thing where they bring her this box of, of photos and memories and, and things from her life that she's just kind of trying to figure out what they are. And I thought that was really movingly rendered and not something I was expecting from a superhero movie. Agreed, yeah. And these these superhero movies, I'm a huge comic book fan. So for me, these looking the same makes sense. All the comics come off the same press. All the movies should look the same. Right. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. But I find that this attempt, especially in this current phase that we're in, to stop handing us cookie cutter origin stories is fascinating because, you know, Spider-Man has not had an MCU origin story. Black Panther was not an origin story, but this one kind of had to be. And so they rendered it in a way that was like a popped inside out version of it where not even she knew how she was who she was. Mm -hmm. And I thought on the one hand, it was refreshing and different. And it's not just, you know, Doctor Strange with a chick. It's not just, you know, Captain, yeah. it's not just Captain America. Again, it was a very different way to give us an origin story. But it also made it difficult to care about who she was because she didn't know who she was. And so as we were learning who she was, it was like a slow burn to become really on her side and care about her. Because you wanted the answers to her questions, but you didn't know who she was yet. Right. But also, and I think that that goes back to what I was saying, I think about the 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 need for it to fit inside a wider story, because I think they were trying to serve many masters there. So they're trying to serve the, the you know, the Captain Marvel origin story. They're trying to serve the MCU and how Captain Marvel fits into Avengers Endgame and all of that. They're trying to serve the feminist agenda of having a female-led superhero movie, which I sometimes felt... I really loved the way they did it. I, I was quite moved by certain moments where mm -hmm. you could see them from the outside going, this is the moment where we show all those little girls in that audience that they get back up and yeah. that they, you know, that they can be that. And then sometimes I felt that it was a little bit 
kind of like feminism in the 90s, where like it was more <laughs> girl power than it was a kind of like intersectional, like breakdown systems feminism, which, you know, this movie can't be everything either, right? So I know I walked in with wanting a lot from it. Yeah. So I also give it a lot of, like, I, you know, give it some slack. Or was it, what's yeah. the phrase? Cut it some cut slack. Cut it some slack. Thank yeah. you. I cut it some slack for that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I am not expecting any kind of well thought out uh, intersectional feminism from a Marvel movie. Right. I'm, I'm <laughs> expecting a comic book movie yeah. and the main lead is a, is a, a woman and, and that's great. And they address some of the challenges of her being a woman, but mostly it's just fun to see a silly, sometimes violent superhero movie. And then this superhero is so badass. She has the best powers the of best. all. She can fly. The she best. can explode things. She yeah. can burn stuff. She can just like fly right. Like she's basically a human nuclear bomb, yeah. right? That Captain Marvel is in the comics objectively like one of the most powerful creatures in the universe. Yeah. And yeah. so I feel like in the way that our first modern example of a superhero that's a male is Christopher Reeve as Superman. And it is boring as hell to be Superman. You are the most overpowered, like, it's almost impossible to find a weakness. You just can defeat everything. We kind of had to do that before we got to the darkness of Batman or we got to the flawed, drunken Tony Stark or the, the you know, the, the version of Captain America that is fighting against surveillance society. Like, before you have these really complex and often anti-heroic heroes, mm -hmm. you need Superman. And I think before you throw a, a broken female superhero up on the MCU, you really need Superman. And this, to me, was Superman with the most perfect character, the most brutally overpowered character yeah. the MCU has to offer. And her name is Captain Marvel. Like, it couldn't be more what Wonder Woman is to DC. Yeah. And it's perfect. I did, and I did like the story of, you know, getting rid of that that thing inside of her that was holding her back that was put in by Jude Law, who I will watch in any movie, anytime. Um, but uh, <laughs> I was like, sure, this is a welcome addition to the MCU, Jude Law. Yeah. <laughs> and it's nice to have another MCU movie where a cool actor plays a neat villain and doesn't die at the end. Because mm -hmm. these villains are like tissue paper. They're just, kill this one, kill that one, kill that <laughs> yeah. one. This brings me to my beef and the thing I will never forgive Marvel for, which is, is it Ronan the Accuser? Yes, the yes. most boring person ever. And to, <laughs> to shoehorn. gave him so much depth. What do you mean? <laughs> to shoehorn my beloved pie maker, Lee Pace, yeah. into this terrible, weird CGI purple face role where his character makes no sense. Yeah. He doesn't look like his like his beautiful face is yeah. it's a travesty. Yep. And whoever made that casting decision should be punished forever. And Ronan the Accuser is terrible in all the movies he's in. Like that villain. He makes no sense. He never makes yeah. it's so boring. And Lee Pace is so wonderful. It's such a strange yeah. and he initially, phenomenon. He initially auditioned for the role of Star Lord. And then they gave him this role instead. And I really thought when Korath 
and and Ronan both sh were showing up you know, 30 years before we see them in Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, oh, cool, we're gonna get some more depth to these characters. No. no. They just no. completely disappointed in this movie. So mad about it. Yeah. Yep, uh, we're, maybe, we maybe, agree. We agree. Maybe Captain Marvel 2 is gonna give us the Lee pace you've always wanted. Maybe. I, I somehow doubt. <laughs> Don't get your back and rewatch Pushing Daisies. Nice. Fair. I hope that he made a lot of money. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. I will say this on the on the sort of opposite end of that. I am not a big Ben Mendelsohn fan because I find that often Ben Mendelsohn is playing these like American kind of screwed up characters, and the the stuff he's in, I find often quite exhausting to watch and not my favorite. He was so delightful in this movie. I am so happy that they allowed him to be funny and mm. that that character got such an interesting Such a cool turn. Turn. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I was quite satisfied by that. Yeah, yeah that was a good plot turn. And, and uh, yeah, the scrolls were fun. They yeah. were. And they were so careful in all of their ads to never mention who was playing a character named Yon rog right. and who was playing a character named Marvell. Because those two characters are key and have always been key to Carol Danvers and where she got her powers. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of interplay as soon as everyone saw that Jude Law was wearing essentially a Cree version of the Captain Marvel outfit. We're like, yes, he must be Marvel. And then we saw who I thought going into it was going to be Marvel. And I'm so glad I was right because she played a great Lawson. Like yeah. it oh was magnificent. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I've never seen Annette Benning not be superb. Like she, every film I see her in, even if the film isn't my favorite film, I always love Annette Benning. Oh, Annette Benning is wonderful yeah. every time. Yeah. And yeah. and this was this was great because not only did she get to play Lawson, who is this heroic, perf like Captain Marvel, the original version, Marvel, is like. Superman, the super boring, overpowered creature. Hmm. But getting to also play the central intelligence, getting to play this delicious, nasty AI, yeah. was uh, it was great to see her get to do it both. It was. And I want to talk about that scene, because that that was really completed the, the, the satisfying Captain Marvel arc that Brie Larson got to play. And, and it was I thought it was really nicely written. And uh, it, it started with Carol's friend Maria saying to her, uh, even without your without your like proton shooter mm -hmm. hands you've yeah. always been the strongest person i know and then to to see her go through her life and be told that she's weak and then see beyond that into the getting up it's pr it's pretty cheesy yeah. but it it was really it was really moving and it was really beautiful and it was a really when she did finally break out into her full power it was very inspiring i it, agree yeah, i it, agree it, it got was me that, it yeah. was that moment when Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor has Superman at the bottom of the pool with the kryptonite chains, and then he just gets up. Like, it's that moment. It's the impossible moment. And, you know, that's what a perfect hero has to do. I want to say this, too, to your point, Matt, about origin stories, because I hear what you're saying, and, and, and to your point, Allison, about, like, there's so many of these movies, and we're tired of seeing the same formula over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, I will say, though, that I feel like women don't get enough origin stories. We don't get enough rites of passage, sort of, you know, the, we don't have those movies. We don't have that cinematic history. And so I think I'm happy that she gets an origin story because it, we, we, we actually, we need to keep making those movies for women and, and keep, you know, I think it'll be interesting 
to see how we can keep challenging the formula of these films. Um, but I think inside even of the the construct of the MCU, it's like having a female superhero have an origin story is monumental uh, for little girls, for grown women like myself. Yeah. You know, it, it's important. Yeah, and there's something powerful about seeing her as a little girl fall down and get back up and the the kids that they cast to to play young carol were were excellent yes. and even in just those little snippets that they showed um and no i, I fully agree it, it's really there's something about about just seeing yourself represented that way and then to see her zoom through space and God. blow up spaceships yeah and that awesome. we get to see yeah, this this like classic origin story of a classic superman type hero is great because the next confirmed female-led film in development for the MCU is Black Widow. And that is going to be a awesome. dark, screwed up, yes. brutal, brutal origin story. Mm. So, I mean, if they do it right, that's what it'll be. And so it'll be neat to see, now that we've got the, the clean, crisp superhero out of the way, if they decide to go dark and broken and anti-hero with, with Black Widow, they can. And I'd really love to see that happen. Yeah, I really just want there to be more and more of these movies so that for me going in, because I think, as I said at the beginning, I was disappointed that I was disappointed because I couldn't help but want so much from it. Mm. But then I, of course, sat there thinking... This is an unreasonable expectation I have here, and that's also part of who I am. But um, but I, I think the more the more of these films we get, the less pressure there is on every female led action movie yeah. or whatever to yeah. to be all of those things. Sure. And so I'm thrilled that it's doing so well at the box office. I I'm thrilled. Brie Larson to me embodies much like I feel like Chris Evans is sort of is Captain America sometimes like I've like or I've been, I've yeah. given him those those attributes she has really taken this the purpose of this film on yeah. in such a wonderful way yeah. and I think that's remarkable mm. um and now so that this I'm film excited. has like the second highest opening weekend of any movie of all time like this is a huge incredible feat yeah. Yeah. it would be nice to say okay look women and people of color kill it at the box office, mm -hmm. so do it more. And now you can do it in a way that isn't, it's not on the shoulders of that film to succeed beyond success, That's right. to call it a success. Yeah. yeah. You know, like Solo is a movie that was still in the top 10 highest grossing movies of last year. Mm -hmm. It's considered a failure because of how much it cost, but being in the top 10 is usually considered a success. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this film succeeding only marginally would have been considered a failure. Yeah. But it's succeeding in an inexcusably massive way yeah. means you can't I mean I, I saw somebody whining about how oh Batman versus Superman made more in its opening weekend and it's oh, like please. come on that movie was also hot trash yes. so at the least trash. at least this movie is not objectively <laughs> terrible like Batman v yeah. Superman yes. is objectively terrible no this movie is, is yeah. fun it's and a lot of fun yeah okay now that we talk about how much fun it is there's some bad stuff in this movie 100% so I mean I've already I've already we, said like we haven't even talked about the de-ageification of Samuel L. Jackson. Which I thought looked very good. Better you, than Coulson. For me, Coulson put it over the edge. I was, <laughs> oh, And I yeah. love Adrian Coulson, and I, that actor is wonderful. Yeah, Clark Gregg's lovely. But, I mean, it was not 
It was not a time that I wanted to have. No, it was so weird. It was <laughs> really. Yes. I, I, enjoy, I thought it was great. <laughs> we all know what Samuel Jackson and Clark Gregg looked like in the nineties. Mm-hmm. We have a record of that. There. That's not what they looked like. What they looked like in this movie. But that's not what Nick Fury looked like. No, then. that's a tenuous <laughs> argument at like, best. Big when you first know. saw him, there was there was just something a little off about his face, and it didn't bother me for the whole time. Like I, I got used to it, and it, it was like a minor thing. But the first scene with him. It wasn't like, oh, hey, cool, young Nick Fury. It was like, what's wrong with Samuel Jackson's face? I don't even think it was his face. I think it's the fact that he has the body and moves like a man in his 60s. Oh. Yeah, and yeah. so right. the yeah, fact that, yeah, they de-age his face in a way yeah. that is is like crazy convincing for, to look like a human. Maybe not like, like you know, he should be delivering Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. Right. But it's very it's very convincing as a human face. Clark Gregg not quite so much, but that comes down to the to really um, the the way skin of different colors is more and less difficult to do based on how much pigmentation there is in the skin. Right. So that made you know when you compare those two guys to the way Serene McKellen and Sir Patrick Stewart looked in X Men Three, it's worlds apart. It looks so much better than that de aging did back I then. I guess. I guess. I, don't know, I just don't. I don't. I just don't figure out something else. Yeah. <laughs> I, like don't don't do that. Like the only time the only movie it's kind of worked in was um, the Tron sequel, and that was because. Ooh. Because it's set in a video game, and oh. so it makes sense for him to look really weird. I felt like when they did it, no, in, it didn't even work. It did. No. I thought they, it did. did <laughs> He's supposed to look like a weird creep, and he does. So they did it in another mo- Marvel movie, and it was better. It worked really well in Ant Man and in Ant Man and the Wasp, and it also worked in Guardians of the Galaxy too. Yeah, I feel like in Ant-Man, especially because I think they were seated for a lot of it. Like, I think you're right about the body part. I think it's hard when the face looks younger and not like the person's actual face, and then their body, I don't know, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, Yeah, should we talk about the the little Easter egg scene at the end of the movie? Love, 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 love. Right, the mid-credit scene. So this is like big-time spoiler stuff happening now. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, this would be a good time to go see the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the mid credit scene. Historically, I mean, going back to Iron Man, this is how you set up the greater world. And yeah, um, yeah getting to see the captains in the same scene is yeah. very exciting. I mean, it had like my favorite people, really. I mean, I'm all for Bruce Banner. If any scene with yeah. my Hulky or Bruce Banner in it, I'm in. Yeah, uh, I have to say, when it went back to that scene, the entire auditorium shrieked Captain America yes <laughs> which was very cute everyone was very excited to see good, Captain good. America oh that's sweet um, and then I kind of forgot how meh I am on Black Widow yeah. I liked that Black Widow was like the person in charge of that scene I thought that was very cool here's what I'll say about the handling of Black Widow in the MCU I feel like they have really they have used that character to move things around and fill in the blanks and flesh out so many male characters. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so frustrating because I think she really got short shrift in terms of the whole like MCU. She is yeah. so interesting and can be so powerful. And I think Scarlett Johansson does a lot of great stuff with what she's given. Yeah. But um, they never... It, it, no, I agree. I think they mostly turn her into a two-dimensional, like, sexy yes. spy with some kind of mysterious dark history yeah. that yes. you don't really need she's, to know about. She's like exactly. everybody's sidekick or love interest, and yeah. she never gets to be the yeah. lead. And can we talk about how interesting it is that this... MCU film 
had no love interest whatsoever. Yeah. And yeah. it was starring a woman. Yep. Like, even yeah. Wonder Woman had to have a love interest yeah. to make yeah. that movie happen. And this was just about two friends. Yeah. yeah. And a buddy cop thing yeah. happening with yeah. them. It was, yeah, yeah, it, was really, yeah. it was really satisfying. So that was refreshing. Really refreshing and Agreed. satisfying. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that scene where where uh, the, pa- the, the page... The intergalactic pager. The intergalactic yeah. pager. <laughs> <laughs> which is very funny that they're all really baffled about what it even is. Like, they were alive in the 90s. Yeah. They know what a pager is. Like, Except Captain America is going to be totally befuddled. Well, he doesn't know anything. Well, whatever. He doesn't know anything. Thor yeah. and Captain America would be the only two people who don't shouldn't know what that yeah. device is, right? Yeah. Bruce yeah. Banner absolutely knows what a pager yeah. is. Oh, Bruce Banner had a pager. Yeah, he had, like, the first pager ever. You just know it. Well, maybe they're all so traumatized by the snapping of the fingers. They're, like, so they're just like so bewildered that they don't know. It's also not exactly. It's also not a Motorola standard issue pager. It's like true. this it's is true. a crazy yeah. ass weird pager yeah. rigged up by an alien, basically. I really hope that in. I mean, here's the thing about Endgame is I think they're gonna have so many. I mean, just like with Infinity War, it's like there's so many moving parts. There's so much story to tell that I think it they won't allow for the exciting idea of like yes, seeing the captains together was interesting, but you know, Captain Marvel and Black Widow and, you know, Scarlet Witch. Like, all, how are all of these... I'm curious to see how all these female characters yeah. come together in that final film. And I really want to see... And Shuri and, like, you know, all the dynamic characters that have now come into the universe that are really, female. And I really want to see these characters interact. Like, Captain America is the person that tells Carol that she should take the name. She should take the name Captain Marvel because her name was Marvel Girl and or her name was Ms. Ms. Marvel, Marvel for yeah. the longest time. And then finally, in a battle where Captain America and and Captain Marvel or Ms. Marvel at the time were doing a bunch of, you know, taking out random bad guy number one, um, he says, you, you should take the name. You are Captain Marvel. And technically, you outrank me. You're more than a captain. And so it, it, I'm going to be disappointed if this, is, if this is Evan's last movie because we'll never get to see the captains really have the camaraderie that they have in the comics. I think what's going to happen, my prediction, hot prediction here, is that that's going to be condensed to like a five-line scene. But I, I actually hope that that isn't how that happens because what I think could be exciting is more and more to give these women agency over their own descriptors, their own identities. Like, I think that that served the comics really well mm-hmm. for Captain America to, to you know, offer that up to, to Captain Marvel to recognize in the way that Captain America often does, yeah. you know, the reality of a situation and give credit where it's due. But I really hope that that we get to see more and more of these women, like Shuri. Like, one of the things I loved about Black Panther was, like, that those women were so powerful in and of themselves and nobody needed to give them that power. They just had what it took to, yeah. to and, and took that agency for themselves. And so I'm excited about that in this next phase of these movies, which I hope, you know, changes a little bit to Allison's point about like, could, you know, a renaissance of like different types of points of view and maybe different visuals to help us kind of move into the next phase of what will continue to be this massive universe of films. Well, I'm curious how she's going to get this name because at present she's Avenger. Like that's right. that's her nickname, that's her call sign. So you know, Captain America gets that title in her movie, uh, or in his movie, and and Iron Man 
calls himself that. Because he's Tony Stark. Because he comes and up that's with how the it name. Goes. Right, you know, but so, like, she should just call herself that. I mean, if Tony Stark can do it, come on. My dis- have you? Do you hear my disdain for Tony Stark? I mean, Tony Stark <laughs> gave Rhodey his name. Yeah, that's it's true. It's like he he gives he monikers people. left, right, and center. Does, so it yeah. would be nice to see. He likes see. nicknames. He does. Yeah. Aesthetically, what I I also like that Captain Marvel in her full uniform and a flame, kind of and and sort of the kind of androgynous mm. flaming figure, yeah. kind of looks like Iron Man. Only better because mm. she doesn't need a suit. That's right. That's right. That's right. Step aside, Tony Stark. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love. I have a, a soft spot for Tony Stark. But after Civil War, I was hard Team Cap. Whereas I've uh, been, I've been hard Tony Stark team yeah. the whole way. Iron, a, Iron Man yeah. has, I think, no. the right Incorrect. idea. But you Tony know. Stark's to blame for all of it. That's what I say. That's my that's my theory here. Yeah, he's the weapons manufacturer. That's right. He's, there you go. Listen, Marvel is trying to end wars. I know. Tony Stark's just trying to fuel them for yes. his own riches. No Allison Broverman. Well, certainly in the '90s, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so there's some discussion questions, some of which we've drawn on, but we can maybe talk more. Um, so where where does this film rank in the Marvel universe? For me, it's top five origin stories, absolutely. But I think, not films, just origin stories. Uh, origin stories, okay. yeah, because I think these these fall into two categories. There's like a film that has all of the parts ready to go, like Civil War. Even Black Panther isn't an origin story. It's just a movie with a bunch of cool parts that you get introduced to, but you know the main character already. Mm-hmm. Spidey didn't need any, any kind of intro. We've seen him born twice, so we didn't need a third time. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man Homecoming, Homecoming benefits from that hugely. It's just a story about Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think origin stories need to be in their own pile where, okay. you know, Thor and and Doctor Strange inhabit the the dregs at the bottom of that, and oh, I think I think Oof. Iron Man and and Ant Man, which is arguably only half an origin story because you don't really get Hank Pym's origin, you just mm-hmm. get you know the second Ant Man's origin. Mm-hmm. Um, those are towards the top, and I would definitely put Captain Marvel towards the top as well. It yeah. was so entertaining. It delivered that '90s nostalgia, and it played as a 90s movie, straight. It gave us a couple of twists in a couple of characters that we weren't expecting to be this, that, or the other, depending on how much you know about the characters. But I'd put it uh, number three. Yeah. In a, for origin stories? For origin stories, yeah. yeah. Sure, like, if I'm looking at them as origin stories versus, like, the all the movies, then, yeah. I, I mean, for me, it felt a little bit like um, the Captain America origin story, like First Avenger, although in that movie there were some really horrible things that, like... Like that CGI was so terrible in that movie, and Red Skull was kind of, but other parts of that movie I quite loved. So I feel like it was, it's it's um, in terms of origin stories, it's close to the top. But I would say like in the whole scheme of all the films, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was fun, and I thought it brought some new stuff to the to the universe, and I loved the female friendship, as I said. So it, it gets points there. But in terms of execution, I felt like. It was a bit uneven um, mm. compared to some of the other films in the universe that I that I think are just tighter. Mm. Um, but that's I think that's also because I'm fatigued by them. I think yeah. you know, as you said, Allison, yeah. like it's hard to make something that really is so crisp and new and and you know elevated in 21 movies, right? Yeah. But I think around about the second Thor movie, I stopped treating these like films and started treating them like issues. 
These I see. Are, okay. These yeah. aren't films. It's right. the next issue. You never have to go back and watch this again. You never have to read that issue again. You need the next issue. That's what mm. Marvel's doing. They've changed what movies are. They've changed what blockbusters are. This mm -hmm. has done its job, and I never need to see it again. I need to see Endgame now. Yeah, it did, okay. certainly did get me excited for Endgame. Mm. And I would say, like, it's, it's, it's not at the bottom of the list by any means. I'd say it's, like middle closer to the top this film in the grand scheme of of all of the of all 21 films for me i don't know allison 21. what do you think um i'm not as close a follower of the marvel universe i find them exhausting yeah <laughs> um, so and and i just i enjoyed this one a lot um aside from the purple and green dark like otherwise really dark fight scenes where it's just anything could be happening and yeah. it's hard to tell who's even fighting well, and what's happening and who until the end when you see who's injured and who's on top and it's really <laughs> and it's just loud and blurry and and i, I yeah. stop it make yeah. a make a better fight scene um yes agreed. but but all of the other stuff all like her her character arc uh brie larson's performance mm -hmm. was you know was felt very very masterful and very charismatic um and uh, and the, and the fact that it was really about her without it having to be like she didn't have to be like sexy or she didn't she didn't have to have a, a romantic yep. uh, love interest and that's all really uh refreshing so I, I really like all of that all of that stuff um so yeah definitely one of my more enjoyable uh marvel movie experiences mm. I, I would i would say um I think the only other one that really comes close is the, the Winter Soldier. I really liked. Yeah, I, uh, too. Uh, I found that to be like quite uh, surprising and, and different from what I was expecting from a Marvel movie. But all the other ones kind of blur together for me. I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I I think that when this film got to play in the space of her authentic character, her relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, I really loved it. When it was an exercise in MCU world building and, you know, fight them robots and aliens, I'm less interested in that. I agree with you. It's getting tiresome. The visuals are so so frequently look look so similar. Um, I always joke with Matt. I'm always like, I need them to wear pinnies. Like, remember when you were in, speaking of the 90s, when I was in high school and like you had to wear, one team had to wear pinnies. Like, or like, so you know who was, so on which know team? Who was fighting. Yeah. Like, it's just it's also I would love for us to get to a point where maybe like not everything has to be solved all the time in a like shoot 'em up alien robot fight like I mean I get that that's part of the brand but um I don't know I'm looking forward to the future where maybe that shifts a little bit yeah. or at least they make it brighter so you can see what's happening yeah. and at I must say yeah making Captain Marvel into a light source yeah. is really great <laughs> helpful. because you know you look at you look at the end of Wonder Woman and that whole third oh, act God. is just a smudgy mess of black and almost yeah. black so you can't really see much of anything mm -hmm. but in this it was nice that even in space things are well lit because she's shooting yeah. light everywhere yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's true, true. Yeah. that's good <laughs> um, okay, so this leads into my next question how do her powers work exactly and does okay. it matter I mean so we see her she destroys the the energy core. Mm -hmm. uh, or the whatever battery thing. It's an engine. Yeah, yeah. it's an engine. Yeah, and then absorbs all this nuclear proton power. Well, what Captain Marvel <laughs> is, what this, what what Carol Danvers Captain Marvel is in the comics is she is the most powerful energy absorber in 
the Marvel Universe. So her powers are to absorb energy and use it in any way she needs. So this idea that she was hit with all of this energy from this device is sort of what makes her body able to do that. And now anytime someone shoots her with something, anytime someone punches or blasts or does whatever, it's just charging her up. And sort of like the way that uh, Black Panther's purple suit worked where he could store kinetic energy and then punch it out, she essentially is able to do that. So her going up against Thanos will be a wonderful fight because there's yes. nothing he can throw at her that she doesn't throw right back. Awesome. That's essentially how she works. Okay. Cool. cool. I'm looking forward to uh, to that because Thanos is... I have so many problems with Thanos. Um, Thank you. That was a very good explanation. Yeah. I was Thank expecting you. So to be just snarky and like, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but no, that's... Great. Matt, do you know, because I don't know this either, like what's the, so the little inhibitor that they place inside of her, what, do you know like the science, well, the comic book science of what that's doing? I have no idea what okay. that is. As yeah, far I'm as curious. I, yeah, as far as I can tell, that was just something designed to make her think she only had one power. And she can shoot sparkles from her hands, and that was like all she knew she could what do. What a metaphor. See, I do like yeah. this metaphor. I've got to say, yeah. I do yeah. like this device of yeah. like, this man captures you and then like tells you that this is how you fit in um, and wants you to be what he wants you to be and then you dismiss that. I'm That is very on yeah. the nose and I am so here for it. Yeah. And then her delivering that Indiana Jones moment when it was like, the only way you can truly prove to yourself, zap. Yeah. And she, yeah. he's just smoked across yeah. the desert. Like yeah. that was beautiful when she says, I have nothing to prove to you. Yeah. Just show her like just dragging. Yes, <laughs> so satisfying. Oh. Very so fun. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Um, how cool did she look with that flaming mohawk on a scale oh. of awesome to extremely rad? <laughs> yeah. Extremely awesome. radly awesome. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was magnificent. It was great. Yeah. And as, as someone who's been enjoying that look since she got her sort of um, new outfit and new name in 2012, it was something I was really curious how they were going to translate it. Because in the comics, she looks basically like that. But she also has this, like, red sash around her that she uses. Like, she weaponizes it like a whip and yes. strangles people. Like, it's pretty cool Ooh. because it's also, aside from the um, the eight-pointed star she has that mm. comes from Marvel. It's also a um, it's a it's a weapon that she has from when she was Ms. Marvel. Mm, so okay. it's a neat thing that they were able to use. Although in the movie, it's a belt. It's okay. just that like red belt that all of the the Star Force they all have that kind of right. green belt before she Technicolor um, yeah. body gloves her uh, yes. her costume yeah. into body. another color. Very nineties like move. Yeah. I like how the kid just automatically knows how to change the colors right. on her thing. Yeah, great. Hey, yeah. Man, Monica. Kid, kids know how to use iPads when they're babies. So <laughs> true. she know. would know what that pager was, even though yeah, she'd be like, I could tell you exactly how that works. <laughs> um, I loved uh, her like whole underwater situation. That was like my thing. Like then that mask comes yeah. on. And she can yeah. like, I'm like, I am want Great. that so badly. Yeah. And I'm quite curious. They they did the sort of Batman trick where they paint her eyelids black and then bring them the physical part of the mask as close to her eyes as is comfortable so that you don't see skin tone mm -hmm. under her mask. I don't know about that. I mean, I like the way Captain America, he's just wearing a helmet that goes down over his eyes and you can see the flesh. Around his eyes, I didn't really it notice. was an interesting choice to do that because sometimes she has that in the. She, often when she's wearing that, her eyes are just glowing white, and you never really see what's behind it. I I like that because I like how androgynous she looks when she's in like full fighting yeah. mode. Yeah. Um. There's something about that design that I find very satisfying, and then when she kind of 
deglows and her hair her flames turn back into hair and yeah. she turns back into a woman I, I i there's something about that aesthetic that i found very pleasing yeah, yeah it's great and i love that the costume didn't have like stormtrooper boobs on it like yes. you know how they no. often yeah. yes. have like brienne yeah. of tarth is just wearing armor yeah. in game of thrones and so it's nice in this that that Brie Larson's armor fits her body, but isn't like a weird booby thing. It's not like what? Sexual. No. It's not, yeah, and there's it's no like sexy there's... legs here and and naked shoulders. Like the yeah. Wonder Woman outfit is still very 1940s bathing suit. And yeah, for they, sure. They, you know, Straczynski has come up with other ideas that are much cooler with like jackets and yeah, pants, yeah, yeah. but. Somehow Wonder Woman always goes back to naked thighs and, and shoulders. So it's I, nice to see her wearing this full-on outfit. Because Ms. Marvel, if you look at pictures of her, mm-hmm. she's basically dressed like she's on Baywatch. Right. It's Yeah, oh it, it's not very yeah. classy. I will say I like, too, that, you know, we've been watching um, Shira, the new Shira reboot, mm. the, and the Princesses of Power, and I feel like uh, there's a similar kind of refugee storyline and a kind of tricking, a kind of, um, you know, um, brainwashing of, t- you know, telling you who the enemy is when really mm. those people are oppressing other people. And I, I like that that's sort of becoming more and more of a story that's being explored. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think um, I think along the same lines as the reboot of Shira and the way they handled her costume and how it's different than sort of the 1980s version of that. And I think this, this also um, making her just wear what she would wear as a pilot, making her, you know, not yeah. hypersexual. I like that trend quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, Oh, we already talked about how excellent her hair, how unfairly excellent her <laughs> hair is in every single second of the movie. Even when she's yeah. blowing her hair out of her own face, it's yeah. a beautiful moment. I know. When they enter zero gravity in the spaceship for the yeah. first time. And oh. and floating goose. Oh my God, floating goose. goose. And goose, I gotta say, like that like post-post credit scene. The hairball hawk? The hairball hawk is also like a highly satisfying. It's so weird too, like, Goose is like, because what is, Goose has like a pocket dimension inside of him? Is Goose that what it is? Goose is an alien yeah. that resembles a cat, but lays hundreds of eggs and has a pocket dimension, several pocket dimensions inside, inside of yeah. him. So, so the Tesseract just goes to another dimension just, for a while. Yeah, like he's bigger on the inside, right. basically. So he He's like could, the he, charm you put in Harry Potter that Hermione yeah. puts in the bag. He's like, yeah, he's right. like the okay. TARDIS, bigger on the inside. Right. So cool. yeah, there's all kinds of weird stuff going on there. And he his mouth is thousands of tentacles. Right, yeah, of course. Yes. Although I got to say, that, that moment where he grabs a bunch of uh, villains and throws them around was so Groot, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was very Groot. It was yeah. a lot of homage to a previous moment in Marvel cinematic history. They yeah. do like to reference themselves in the MCU. Yeah. They're not. He's, he's, he's a good alien. He's on the side of the good guys. Yeah, he kind of does what he wants, and it just so happens this he is working it. out with uh, with what Nick and uh, and Carol want. Yeah. Okay. For now. But he doesn't like being too loved because he blinds. Yeah, yeah. Don't let him scratch you in the face. And that moment when Ben Mendelsohn was like, "Oh no," <laughs> that was quite delicious. That you knew what was coming, and so did he. There's a Twitter account right now where somebody has renamed themselves. Nick Fury's glass eye collection. Amazing. That and I quite like that name for a for a Twitter yeah. Twitter handle. Whoever that is, I don't know who the person is, but I like it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what would you rename your Twitter handle as as a reference to this movie? Oh, this is such a good question. Fiery Mohawk of Power. Oh. Perhaps. Um. 
I don't know. Oh my goodness. I'm trying to think of my favorite, sort of what was my favorite moment. I feel like, what does she say to him, uh, to Jude Law? I don't have to. I don't have to prove myself to you? Yeah. I feel like that would be mine. <laughs> I don't have to That's prove good. myself to you, which is sort of a good mantra. That's good. In yeah. general. I think I would be a Junior Scrolls uh, pinball high score. Nice. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, mine's not funny. Mine's like defiant. I, li- I like it. <laughs> yeah. But I do love I do love that line when he says, yeah, well, if I was trapped here for all this time, I'd have, have a, a high, pretty high score, score too. too. Yeah. yeah, that's also a great line. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had one pinball machine for six years. Yeah. 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 Yeah, very enjoyable. Also, like how unnecessarily Nick, competitive Nick Fury is with a child. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the guy's deep into pinball. I, I got to say, that tracks for me. Nick Fury yeah. is like, that totally tracks for me across 21 films. Yeah. That he would be that way. He's and not impressed by this child's pinball. This poor refugee child. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel like Nick Fury has to kind of win all the time, right? Yeah. That's his whole thing. Well, right? and I really loved that moment where the protector initiative turns into the Avengers initiative. I feel that a bit cheesy. It's so on the nose because in the first Avengers film, Tony Stark says, if we can't protect the Earth, we're sure as hell going to avenge it. it, And so that switch is such a great like bookend from the first moment we saw these heroes together to right. this wonderful moment where Captain Captain Marvel informs, it's it's retcon, it's totally retroactive continuity, but I think it really tracks for me. For me, it's an, the MCU films are an exercise in like, when do I like when they're on the nose and when don't I? And it's a very wuzzy line. Like sometimes yeah. I'm so up for how on the nose, cheesy, comic book hero movie the moment is, and sometimes I'm like, a little bit too far. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but you know. I get, I get why people liked it. But, I mean, in the theater we were in at this fan event, that moment got such a, a response. Right? And so yeah. did both of the beautiful Stan Lee yeah. tributes. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the Marvel yeah. Studios opening with just yeah. those awesome yeah. moments yeah. from yeah. so many cameos. And apparently Stan Lee has at least one more cameo filmed. So hopefully it's an endgame. And then oh, there's yeah. also that fantastic moment where Carol just looks down at Stanley yeah. and approves, gives yeah. him that wonderful nod. And where he's reading his mole rat script. Yes. That's yes. A, yeah, that's a good little Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. very nice. I liked that deep cut. I was in. Yeah. I was up for the uh, for the mole rats yeah. moment. Yeah, and yeah. I was up for this soundtrack. So big time. It was marvelous between the no doubt and the garbage and just everything that and made Nirvana me feel it. Nirvana as the final anthem yes. of, of power. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I it's interesting. It's a cool time to be. I saw someone post about how they're like, it's a cool time to have. Like, I don't have a kid, but they were like, it's a cool time to be a comic book fan and have a kid. But I also feel like it's an interesting time to have grown up to watch all these movies about our childhood and then about our teenagehood through this lens is pretty fun and and fascinating. Mm -hmm. You know, there is definitely a um, satisfying aspect to that. And it's been fun to see James Gunn use late 70s, early 80s music and and take that culture and move it forward without changing it by using Peter Quill as this sort of time capsule. But getting to do the 90s, which I have actual memories of, for me, it connects with me in a whole other way yeah. because mm-hmm. I'm discovering the the feeling of loving the music from Guardians of the Galaxy, but I'm remembering the feeling of loving the music from Captain Marvel, and that yeah. makes a huge difference for people our age, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks, Allison. For doing this pilot episode. Yeah, this was fun. Uh, Our pleasure. This was great. Yeah. So, yeah, you've been listening to the Highball Podcast, The Wide Shot. It's produced by me, Allison Broverman, and distributed by Highball TV. Highball TV is a streaming platform bringing you cinema from film festivals large and small. Subscribe today and start watching great movies from around the world at highball.tv. The Highball Podcast is recorded at Highball Headquarters in downtown Toronto. Thanks for listening.